Welcome, everyone, to the Watchmen podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for Watchmen on HBO. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everyone. The Watchmen podcast by Fantastic Geek revisits Chapter 11, Look on My Works, Ye Mighty. Pete, here we are, the penultimate chapter to the graphic novel being discussed today with the one-week countdown until everybody else gets to see the Watchmen pilot on HBO. Cannot wait for discussions to explode about that pilot. Off air, off mic, we were already discussing a theory that I think is a pretty darn good one. I tend to be wrong sometimes, but I mean, it's going to be 10.01 p.m. next Sunday when I'm sharing that theory, and I can't wait for the whole theory machine to get rolling on the show. And that, I think, is part of this show's allure. It's definitely going to have that quality to it. And we'll be bringing that to you every Watchmen Wednesday. Well, Pete, let's jump on into our focus for today, Chapter 11 of the graphic novel. My summary from the wiki at watchmen.fandom.com is as follows. The opening image, a tropical garden seen through a small hole in the snow. Vite monologues and watches as Night Owl and Rorschach approach. Vite then steps away, pushing a single button at 11.25 p.m., and calls his staff of three to the Paradise-like Vivarium. He gives them wine and reflects on his past, a self-made man, a genius, a moral perspective perhaps above others. The wine, poisoned, takes the lives of his three loyal servants. Vite opens the dome to his Vivarium, killing the tropical flora and fauna therein. Vite bests Night Owl and Rorschach, who listen to his explanation of an extraordinary plan to save humanity in this extraordinarily dangerous time. The island, the creature, teleportation, and the impossible odds that the comedian stumbled across it all, resulting in Vite killing Blake. So too is the admission of the plan to kill half of New York. Intercut are the lives of the supporting New York City characters that we've gotten to know. Josie and her girlfriend, the news vendor and boy, and psychiatrist Malcolm and wife Gloria. At midnight, Night Owl is incredulous. Has Ozymandias actually planned to do all of this? No, says Vite. He did it 35 minutes ago. The last page shows our New York characters being exposed to the deadly blast. The closing quotation, My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, ye mighty and despair. That, of course, from the poem Ozymandias by Percy by Shelley. The attached document, a Nova Express interview with Adrian Vite from July 1975. The interviewer is Doug Roth, who appeared in Chapter 3. Pete, we oftentimes start with the attached document. This is certainly an interesting one. Uh, I think kind of, though it's the Nova Express, I think it kind of has this mid-70s um, uh, Rolling Stone kind of, you know, really kind of opening of the heart kind of interview I don't know that there's a ton of depth, a ton of theories that can be wrung from it. Perhaps that's simply because we're, you know, rather late in the graphic novel at this point, but it's an interesting presentation nonetheless. Yeah, and that Vite talks about a, a one-man private joke, and here in the present time, he's just executed that. Um in the body of the chapter itself, I really appreciate that both the opening image evocative of the blood drop on the smiley face 
but then it becomes its own thing that gets doubled up with the second to last image in the uh, the wake of the massacre in New York. I think too. I I wonder what it must have been like to say be uh, you know to be DC Comics getting uh, early drafts or I don't know to what degree with uh, with our authors working in England. I don't know to what degree DC Comics was just on the receiving end of like you know final pages or something like that. But this has got to be a script before before uh, Dave Gibbons started to pencil it. This has got to be a script where you go. This is a whole lot of monologuing. Um, and not really a ton of action. Uh, you also divert your story here where, okay, I, I've read the whole the whole scripture of the chapter. It's this big kind of cliffhanger. It's the big climax of the whole thing. You're spending a lot of time intercutting with some of the least known characters, uh, Josie and her girlfriend, Malcolm, uh, the news vendor, etc. cetera. Uh, but in its presented form here, it just works because there is that tension of, He's got an interesting monologue. Then you go back to New York and you're saying, well, what is this small story here? Josie and her girlfriend are fighting. And it just, it all kind of leads to this crescendo, 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 where you get to that last page and it's just a punch in the gut. Yeah. And to have it explained that it's already happened and to get the delicious moment that Veidt has to tell Dryberg that he's not a Republic serial villain, uh, that he wouldn't explain it without having already done it great, you know, to, to D James Bond villainify, uh, you know, all the, the stories that have come before. And then the disclosure that, well, Hey, teleport teleportation works, but only if you want things to explode upon arrival. I mean, the whole, the whole book before this chapter has obviously tried to pull away the superhero aesthetic and redefine it and make it feel more realistic. And that just sets up the craziness that we have of Vite here, where he does become this monologuing surprise evil genius in his Arctic lair. I mean, it's every trope is thrown in. And it works because it's all in this backdrop of he feels he has this superior perspective and it's going to take killing three to four million people in New York to save the species. And uh, with, of course, him as the him as the Ozymandias who will be greater than than uh, Alexander the Great. It all just works because it's 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 a level of ridiculousness that belies the rather restrained world we've been living in uh, until that point. And the question really becomes now, can he get away with it? Can this be allowed to take place and to not suffer any repercussions as a result of it, apart from the internal mechanism of I had to get over myself and do this, you know, greater good and all? I wonder to what degree this particular chapter has informed the series. And that is to say, I think that. I think of some of the uh, some of the the, the hidden um, the hidden clues in the first season of Westworld. Do you take a chapter like this? Obviously, they're not adapting this chapter for the series, but do you take a chapter like this and say, "Hey, we want to do our own big climactic thing"? For example, do you do some sort of port over of we just see the time eleven twenty five? We just see it the once when he pushes the button. Um, do you? 
take from this X number of years later, hey, in the New York scenes, maybe you should have had a couple of references to the time. Hey, in our version, you know, in episode four, episode six, or episode seven, whatever it is uh, of the series, when we do our version of this kind of emotional beat, we want to give a little bit more of a tip. Uh, do you maybe save the save the the actual explosion for the next episode or something like that? I don't know, in part because this is such a well constructed chapter even with the essential lie that what you are seeing on you know he talks and then the next panel is people in new york there's the lie that those two are going on at the same time and i think we forgive it because the climax is so great no spoilers to the pilot which we watched in uh new york but um you know there's the the hinting at what is the seventh cavalry's larger plan um they're doing something that is building not obviously what takes place in the premiere episode there's been all this ire matt in the past week or so since new york comic-con what do you mean it's only one season well this story is plotted as one season. There can be additional seasons. You know, it, it's the, uh, the the fan idea now where I don't listen to everything that is said. I only listen to the thing that makes me the angriest. I'll add to that. I mean, I know that the, the, the sun is setting on the old HBO that would be, that was kind of creator first and we're going to make our money back on something called Watchmen that has this kind of cred. So kind of do what you want, you know, as they have with other things, the sun is setting on that, the whole new corporate structure of Warner streamer and all that, you know, I think is a little bit more, or was less charitable. Let's that. All of that said, do I personally really think that HBO was like, sure. Damon Lindelof confer a writer's room for 160 days before we even officially, Decide to do a pilot. Decide to do a series. Sure thing, absolutely. Let's hire all these. We'll, we'll just do one season. Sure, sure. I doubt that. I think there might be a little marketing razzmatazz in there. I, I kind of, I, I suspect that Damon Lindelof is not working on the final edit of episode 109 going, all right, all right, Frank. Well, as soon as we, as soon as we put the last sound effects in there, I don't know. I guess I'll go home and wonder what happens next. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we have some sort of season two announcement even before the end of season one, that kind of thing, depending on how big, how big a hit this is. I suppose the, the, the opposite is true. It might fall flat. I, I tend to doubt that, but I think there's a little like, Hey, here's the itch. The itch is you only get these nine episodes. Oh man, I better watch as opposed to, eh, I'll just stream it, you know, at the end of the first season. I, I think you're onto a little something there. Again, time is going to tell. The viewership is going to be revealing. But given the depth of that initial story, uh, I've replayed it a number of times in my mind. I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait to watch more of it. I mean, geez, Matt, that second week, uh, Sunday, October 27th, can't wait to get to there and, and just see what takes place. What are they going to show us afterward? I wonder too, Pete, I think, I don't think that the pilot is constructed to upset people, 
but I think that, you know, if you're tuning in and due respect and love for the DC CW shows, if you're tuning in for like the best crisis on the infinite earths episode, but it'll be on HBO. So maybe there'll be like a, butt, or maybe somebody will say the <laughs> F word. Like this is a, this is a pilot that will challenge people's conventions. And if you're expecting, if you're like, well, I know where I am on the political spectrum. And I think I know where Damon Lindelof is and I'm okay for, you know, if there's gonna be some separation there, fine. At the end of the day, this is, you know, costume weirdos fighting and whatnot. I think that there's a mix in the pilot that's not wherever you are, let's say on the political spectrum, this is a show that's going to have you question your views relative to the world that they're living in. And it's taking issues from today and mixing them and putting them together in a way that's ultimately destined to make you think, not destined to make you say, and that was a great hour of TV and my popcorn bucket is empty. Now I will go to bed. So the clock counting down from there and certainly can't wait to dive on into the series. Yes, 11.25, 8.59 on uh, Sunday, October 20th. All the time in between, Matt. Can't wait. And all of this made possible, of course, by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Look, Pete, neither of us had... Uh, both parents gone at age 17 and a fortune donated to charity so that we might wander the world just to prove that we are the smartest men's and maybe even gain the title of, as it says in the uh, attached document, best groomed men's as is. Uh, we love that we are supported by our listeners who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Every contributor gets access to exclusive podcast content, and then there are all sorts of levels that will inform you as to our dastardly plans. Luckily, Pete, the best laid plans are those you share on Twitter. How can people talk to you there? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-L-R-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,682 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter's Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, be there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the PH. Like it today. We will be talking the last chapter of the Watchmen graphic novel in the next week. And of course, getting ready for episode 101 of the series to air next Sunday. With that, Pete. I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Manners. <laughs>